sage and fighting the fight. He has fought cities. He has fought counties. Politicians. Naysayers. Hell, he's even fought mayors. Thank you for listening to Sage and the Houseless Movement, a weekly show dedicated to the news and views of the homeless locally and worldwide. And all other things considered homeless? Yes. Broadcasting live from your Alexa device, the Radio Free Network app, iOS, WMVU.org, Many Voices United, and the RadioFreeNetwork.com. And now, from some wooded area in Akron, Ohio, here is Sage of the Rage Lewis. Yo, what's up, everybody? This is Sage the Rage. <laughs> Somebody called me that. That's really ridiculous. Sage. I mean, a lot of things rhyme with Sage. Page, rage, mage. Um, three things rhyme with Sage. But rage does rhyme with Sage. And it's not the first time I've heard that. It's just amused me. And it does roll off the tongue. I am your guide through the world of homelessness. Um, I'm a homeless activist at uh, thehouselessmovement.org. And uh, I am very thankful to be on the Radio Free Entertainment Network, WMVU.org, Many Voices United. I really appreciate the opportunity to um, get to share my message about homelessness. Um Homelessness is the great American tragedy of the 21st century. You can't deny it uh, when you have a half a million people in the richest country the history of Earth has ever seen uh, living outdoors, living outdoors. Um, while bureaucrats and governments, uh, navel gaze and say things like it's complicated. It's comp. It's not complicated. It's actually so. Look, let's say there is a tornado in any community, and it mows down fifty houses. Okay, fifty. Let's call it a hundred houses. I don't even care. A thousand houses. Okay, let's call it a thousand houses. That's a lot of, that's a lot of, <laughs> that's a lot of houses for one tornado, but it was a big tornado, okay? Do you or do you not think that you will be sheltered if you were one of those victims? Like that night. Of course you will be. Of course you'll be sheltered. They'll put you in a hotel. The Red Cross will sweep in. If that's too, if that, yeah, they'll, they'll open up a gym. The Red Cross will sweep in. But I'll tell you who never shows up when a person goes homeless, the Red Cross. They, you need not apply. The Red Cross, if your house burns down, call the Red Cross. Your... Uh, a tsunami hits your village, a tornado hits your town, mudslide, uh, whatever, call Red Cross. But somehow we have determined that homelessness is, uh, we don't like to say it, but a self-imposed 
um, tragedy. You did it to yourself. There's certainly no external circumstances that would have precipitated your homelessness. Don't be stupid. You're just a lazy, no good loser that lost his house and now is living outdoors. You really should get your act together because uh, the Red Cross is not coming. Your government is not coming. Nothing. You will be, if you beg for money on a corner, no matter who you are, you will be scorned and judged by thousands of people that look the other way as they sit uncomfortably at a red light as you beg for anything. Homelessness, uh, I, so homelessness is tied to addiction, which is tied then, then people also don't understand addiction. Addiction, they think, is something that you chose yourself, which, of course, you did not. No one chooses addiction. Even people that swear they are happy in their addiction um, are typically being manipulated by the addiction. I liken it to a demon possessing your soul. Um, so, you know, like it's, it's very common for somebody to say, well, you know, uh, it's the thing I like to do. I like to just drink, you know? Yeah. Do I drink too much sometimes? Yeah, probably. But I mean, you know, I'm still holding down a job or, you know, I, I still got a, I got a, I, my, I still got a roof over my head or, um, you know, I, I got a nice little, I'm still in my car. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I got a, this guy, Sage gave me a tent. Things are okay. You know, and then you keep drinking and then people that don't understand addictions are like, well, they must choose that. They must choose their addiction. No, 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 no. They did no such thing. The addiction chose them. I personally believe that we, I think all of us have a true love of addiction I think we all have a uh, soulmate, as it were, with an addiction. My addiction soulmate is alcohol. Haven't had a drop to drink in, I don't know, 16, 17 years now. Uh, I still have dreams about it. I still fantasize about it. I was telling a person, I was talking to somebody about whiskey and how I would just love to make a bathtub full of whiskey and just swim in it, just swim in that whiskey. Oh God, that would be amazing. Amazing. I don't think it would actually be amazing, but that would be a lot of good looking whiskey. Gotta give me that. Um, yeah, that's, that's me 17 years later without a drop to drink. <laughs> that's what an addiction soulmate is like. So at any rate, um, we are, we are, um, trapped in our addictions and our diseases, uh, most, if not all, 
medical professionals consider addictions a disease. And obviously, people that are not familiar with addictions scoff at that. A disease. A disease. You're choosing that life. No, no, no. <laughs> You're not. Uh, but people with no experience, um, this is what democracy does. You see, people are like, well, they're losers. These addicts and aren't all homeless people addicts after all. They're losers. They're choosing this lifestyle. So there's nothing we can really do. Um, there is so much misinformation to unwind about homelessness and addiction, and they are not the same. 95, I would say at least 95% of addicts live indoors. <laughs> the vast, vast, vast majority of addicts have a house, okay? So um, if addiction led to homelessness then we would have a lot more homeless people. It does not. There's two things that lead to homelessness. Um, not being able to afford your rent and having a catastrophic loss of family. That is a saying that comes out of uh, Community First Village. Fishes and loaves, catastrophic loss of family uh, causes homelessness, I believe they say. And I would hope that you could see how that works, right? That um, the safety nets in America are primarily created by your friends and family and mostly by your family. And so it's consequently, very common for uh, people in the um, foster home system to become homeless because they have no safety net. Uh, I talked to a guy last week who said that he started doing meth at the age of five now, why would you do meth at the age of five? Well, I'll tell you why. Because his dad cooked meth and uh, he needed a helper. And uh, I guess he just let his kid do some meth at the age of five. Um, and I asked him, I said, is your dad still alive? And his response was, I hope not. <laughs> and he said, then I haven't seen my mom and dad in years, years and years and years. I forget when he became homeless. I want to say like 13, very common uh, age for chronic homeless people to leave in their early teens, 13, 14, 15. I see it quite regularly. Um, I don't typically know the 13, 14, and 15-year-olds, but I know them when they become adults. Uh, most 13, 14, 15-year-olds are couch surfing, are living at friends' houses and stuff like that. 
Um, but they are certainly homeless. And that's not the case. Certainly. There's certainly kids that age living on the street. 2000 homeless kids in Akron. I believe it's 20,000 in New York city. I'd look it up, but you can look it up. I'm pretty sure it's, it's a horrendous number considering that there are 20,000 students in the Akron public school system, 10% of them being homeless is quite a high number. Okay. Uh, quite a high number. Doesn't seem to get anybody's attention, though. Nobody seems to be too shocked by it. Um, isn't it funny how, like, you know, one death is a tragedy, but a hundred thousand deaths is just a statistic like, you know, like coronavirus, COVID-19, you know, hundreds of thousands of people have died, hundreds of thousands. And we're like, "Mm, I'm not wearing a mask. (laughs) So I actually did look it up. Um, what did I say? I said, (laughs) 20,000 homeless kids in New York. Uh, 114,000. More than 114,000 students were homeless in New York City last year. This was published in 2019. Put another way, that's one in every 10 children in the city's public schools, according to the report for Advocates for uh, Children. Over the past decade, the number of New York City students who are homeless has increased 70%. Okay. Um. The number of children living on Skid Row, do you know Skid Row? It's where they live outside, has doubled since last year. Uh, Specifically, Skid Row LA reports that the number of homeless kids has doubled since last year. There are now more than 300 children living there. 300 children. The number of family units experiencing homelessness in the neighborhood also rose dramatically, up 111%. From 2017, okay, says Andy Bales from Mission, uh, from uh, uh, United Rescue Mission said, the other night we had 112 moms, 10 dads, and 271 kids. The most kids we've had during the Great Recession when everybody was losing their homes was 130. So isn't that interesting? The Great Recession, when everybody lost their homes, there were 130 kids. Now there's 271 kids. Those are people living on the street. An estimated 17,000 children are homeless in Los Angeles School District. I wish we could have a house, is the title. Uh, Says six-year-old Kai Eddings as he sat next to his seven-year-old sister, Heaven Eddings, in the Los Angeles motel they lived in for a year. So, uh, but you know, I just start rattling those numbers off at you and you just glaze over and you're just like, I don't know. What can I do? What can you do? What can you do? Um, there was a whole point for me to set this. So, um, is there any number, is there any number of homeless people that you're just like, well, now this is getting out of hand. Um, you know, 
a million homeless people, not even kids or kids. I don't care. Two million, five million, ten million, half. What if all the kids were homeless? Would you finally get upset then? I always like to play that game. What number of homeless kids are you just like, okay, everybody, that's enough. We've had too, too many homeless kids now. I don't think anybody uh, dares ask that question. <laughs> uh, the reason I brought it up is because in Akron, Ohio, where I live, I would say every day this week, it was in the mid 40s Fahrenheit and raining. Okay. Mid 40s and raining. All right. Now, do you think there are kids living on the street in Akron, Ohio, in Cleveland, Ohio, in Detroit, Michigan, Ann Arbor? Cincinnati, Chicago, New York, New York, uh, weather, New York weather. Let's just see there. So they had, do you remember how many homeless people, students in New York City? 114,000 of them. Nearly 300 people living on Skid Row. Students, kids living on Skid Row. Right now, it is 40 degrees and raining in New York City. Okay? 40 degrees and raining. You ever camped in 40 degrees and rain? Ever done that? Have you ever taken a walk in 40 degrees and rain? I maintain that 40 degrees in rain, there is no, until you get into single digits, okay, when we're talking about cold, all right, 40 degrees in rain is perhaps the most brutal, dangerous outdoor living condition imaginable. Um, it's not until you get into the single digits of freezing that things start to become brutally severe again. Thirties are fine. The twenties are fine. The tens rough, but doable single digits, three, four, five degrees Fahrenheit. I'm talking Fahrenheit. Okay. Um, that starts to get serious. And then, of course, uh, homeless people living in the north, in the Twin Cities, in Canada, there in Buffalo, Buffalo. I understand the homeless services are horrendous in Buffalo. Um, Sub-zero, often. But 40 degrees in rain is where we are with 117,000 homeless kids in New York City. Let's ask Google. How many homeless people are in New York City? 
57,000. It's a different number. Okay, now, 57,660. Those are... Um, Okay, it says in August 2020, there were 57,660 homeless people, including 12,866 homeless families with 19,006 homeless children sleeping each night in the New York City municipal shelter system. Families make up two-thirds of the homeless shelter population. So those are the people that are counted and in the shelters. Do you think that a certain percentage don't make it into the shelters? Of course they do. I've known them. I've known people that lived under bridges as kids, as teenagers in New York City. So if you can, I would love for you to... Imagine right this minute now. So this is Friday. I'm sorry. You're getting this on Saturday, but and I think it's a little warmer on Saturday. This is October 30th. I'd like you to imagine a 13 year old girl living on the streets of New York City. Because she's there. She's doing it. It's happening. It's not theoretical. She is there. She is living on the streets of New York City. She's living on the streets of Cleveland. She's living on the streets of Detroit. Uh, uh, just you name it. All the cities where it is 40 degrees and rainy, she is living on the streets. Okay. When does hypothermia set in? Asking Google. What can cause hypothermia? Hypothermia can occur when you are exposed to cold air, water, wind, or rain. Your body temperature can drop to a low level at temperatures of 50 degrees Fahrenheit, which is 10 degrees Celsius, or higher in wet and windy weather. Okay? So, your body can go hypothermic when the air temperature is 50 degrees or higher in wet and windy weather. Okay? We right now are in dangerous weather. And the reason I bring it up is because um, I don't know a single city in America that opens up emergency shelter at 40 degrees and rainy. That's just decadent, isn't it? I mean, aren't we just coddling our homeless at that point? Shouldn't they just go home? I've literally heard homeless service providers to tell homeless people to go home like they're just camping. I've heard that. So... How can you take, this is um, the University of Michigan posted this. The University of Michigan posts the conditions of, so hypothermia occurs when the body gets cold and loses heat faster than the body can make it. A rectal temperature is considered the most accurate body temperature. A normal rectal temperature ranges from 97.5 to 99.6. And for most people, it's at 98.6. Okay. 
Some pe- sometimes a normal healthy adult has a low body temperature of say 96 degrees. If the person uh, with the low body temperature is not ill, does not have any other problems, and is not an infant or older adult, then evaluation usually is not needed. Okay. So some people can go down to 96, but most people are between 97.5 and 99.6. I'm like on that lower temperature, uh, 97, sometimes 97.1, 97.5. Your body, okay, so your body temperature can drop to a low level at temperatures of 50 degrees Fahrenheit or higher when the weather, when the when it's wet and windy, okay? Um, so... Here are some symptoms, shivering, cold, pale, blue, gray skin, lack of interest or concern, apathy, poor judgment, mild unsteadiness and balance or walking, slurred speech, numb hands and fingers and problem performing tasks. Late symptoms include the trunk of the body is cold to the touch. Muscles become stiff, slow pulse, breathing is shallow and slower, weakness or sleepiness, confusion, loss of consciousness, shivering, which may stop if the body temperature drops below 90 degrees. Okay. So, um, did you pick some of those up? Um, early symptoms of hypothermia. Lack of interest or concern, which is apathy, poor judgment. So in the best of conditions, a person with the best resources is going to experience apathy and poor judgment. A person that is looking to spending the next four to five months outdoors where 40 degrees is the best temperature they're going to see for the next four to five months already might be falling into apathy. Wouldn't you think? Can you imagine you're talking to a person who's been chronically homeless, who has experienced outdoor homelessness in the winter year after year after year, already experiencing depression and apathy. Now they are mildly hypothermic and they are experiencing poor judgment and apathy because of their mild hypothermic condition. And you have the gall to tell them they need to get their act together. You need to get on the list for housing. You need to get your birth certificate, your identification, and your social security card. You need to get off of drugs. You need to go see your mental health professional. Do you know, those are the things that homeless people hear all day long. It is a relentless drone of condescension and you add hypothermia to it and you tell me what is going to happen. I've had many homeless service providers tell me that the street is, I kid you not. Um, it's not inspiring. That's um, what is the word they use that the street is motivating. 
literally, I have had homeless service providers look me in the eye and say the street is motivating. Now, what they mean by that is if they suffer enough on the street, maybe they'll come in and get in line for services. How can you have even the most basic understanding of humanity and think that that makes any kind of sense? If you just suffer and become depressed enough, maybe you'll finally start showing up at appointments and making phone calls and being like, well, screw this. This is terrible. This is terrible. I got to move on. No, it doesn't make any logical sense that that is what people are going to do. They are going to become more depressed, more apathetic. Um, they're, they've given up. They have given up on the system because the system stands way across town with its arms crossed in a tie and a white shirt looking down their nose at these people because they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. The homeless people aren't. <laughs> How can these homeless service providers, like, even mildly take themselves, like, I mean, they got to be trolling us to think that this is, like, the rational approach that, yeah, you know... If they, you know, the street is motivating, you know, if they hurt enough, they'll come in. No loser, idiot. It does not work that way. They're in free fall. And free fall, you don't just wake up one day and be like, well, screw this. I mean, have you ever tried like losing weight or quitting cigarettes or anything. How many times have you tried to lose weight and gained it back? Tried to quit smoking and start it again? How many times have you failed at a New Year's resolution? You know? Do you set do you do you set New Year's resolutions? Okay, let me look this up. How long do New Year's resolutions last? An av on average, 80% 80, <laughs> 80 of New Year's resolutions fail by the second week of February. Good habits, especially ones drastically different from typical lifestyles, are hard to get started and even harder to keep. Research shows that on average, it takes approximately 66 days for a habit to become automatic. Okay, now... Do you remember how I said earlier in this show that I have quit drinking for 17 years and I still fantasize about it? When things get hard for a homeless person, they fall back into the mindset of screw it. I'm, I'm going back into the woods. It becomes an addiction because living in society, living in a house is incredibly difficult and it comes with its own set of brutally difficult 
circumstances. And so you can't in any kind of basic understanding of human beings expect that a person is just going to suffer their way out of homelessness that you know what if they're cold long enough they will come in no <laughs> the system is broken it is so hard to navigate and it is so easy to be thrown out of the system it happens all the time happens all the time. And so we have so much further to go as far as understanding what um, a homeless person truly is like and truly experiencing. And the people that are given all of the multi-million dollars from the federal government and state government and local government um, are the most out of touch of them all. Um, and of course they want to prop up their own system. So of course they blame it on the voiceless and the victim. Well, you know, if that homeless person would just call, you know, I try, I, we try and call them and they don't call us back. Yeah. You know what? Their phone keeps getting stolen or the service gets turned off because they don't have any money. Well, you know what? They're just going to have to work harder. They're just going to have to work harder. You know, and then everybody believes it. Everybody believes it. Governments believe it because, you know, why would you believe a homeless person? They're just a drug addicted loser. About 70% of homeless people, they say, are addicted to drugs. I think let's talk. What percentage of homeless people are addicted to drugs? All right. Here is addictioncenter.com. The connection between homelessness and addiction. In 2017, there were approximately 554,000 homeless people in the United States. The U.S. homeless population is increasing yearly, particularly in younger age ranges. Typically, homelessness and addiction go hand in hand. The end result of homelessness is often the end result of homelessness. Do you see what did you catch that? The end result of homelessness is often substance abuse and substance abuse is often con uh, often contributes to homelessness. Okay. So they go, they, they're, they're, they're like dancing partners. The national coalition of, for homelessness uh, has found that 38% of homeless people are alcohol uh, dependent and 26% are dependent on other harmful chemicals. So that's putting you at say 40% and 25%. That's like 65%. So yeah, pretty close. Oftentimes addiction is a result of homelessness. The difficult conditions, please listen to this, please. The difficult conditions of living on the street, having to find food, struggling with ill health and being constantly away from loved ones creates a highly stressful state of being. Individuals suffering from homelessness may additionally develop psychiatric conditions in response to the harsh lifestyle of feeling threatened by violence, starvation, and a lack of shelter and love. Then the next section is homelessness, mental disorders, and addiction. Reports suggest 33% of homeless people battle mental illness. Sources cite mental illness as another major cause of homelessness which often leads to drug and alcohol abuse. Common mental disorders 
um, the homeless struggle with include bipolar, paranoia and delusions, schizophrenia, post-traumatic stress disorder, particularly high in homeless veterans, major depressive disorder, and severe anxiety. In addition to suffering mental illness, homeless individuals suffering from mental conditions are more likely to be victims of assault, further needing the comfort they temporarily find in harmful substances. Homeless individuals suffering difficult mental and emotional conditions may find it convenient to self-medicate with harmful substances as well. The combination of mental disorders and substance abuse is known as dual diagnosis or co-occurring disorders. While it may seem that difficult mental conditions can be suppressed by drugs and alcohol use, this actually creates a destructive cycle of dependency. All right. So we know these things, okay? We know that homelessness exacerbates addiction. I think that most homeless service providers, although not all, would agree that homelessness increases mental illness and addiction. So, but then they will still say, well, you need to get off of drugs. You need to get off of drugs. Um, the drugs are the only thing keeping them alive. I've had a homeless woman tell me that Being on drugs is a necessity when you are homeless, okay? If you are repeatedly being raped and beaten, you tell me you aren't going to use drugs and alcohol to escape the mental torture of that condition. You really think you're not going to? Some don't. Some don't, but a lot do. And I think that one of the first steps in fixing homelessness is understanding what it means to be homeless and understanding that you would behave the exact same way. You would behave exactly the same. And I'm so thankful that you don't have to um, experience homelessness um, or that you did experience homelessness and you're no longer homeless. I have a friend who is no longer homeless And he now says things like, you know, homeless, not helpless. So he means that like, look, eventually you are responsible for your own choices in life. And of course that's ultimately true, but he spent years living on the street Okay, years. And he lived in our tent village. And repeatedly, he would not spend money on housing. He would spend it on drugs and gambling. 
He had an addiction to gambling more than drugs. I mean, I think he enjoys drugs, but nothing like gambling. And I've known uh, several homeless people that are really um, hardcore gamblers, you know? Uh, I mean, just go to the poor, the low income side of town and try and check out at the local gas station. I mean, people are scratching those scratch offs constantly. Like it's Friday, it's pay, it's payday. I mean, they're going to spend that money praying that they hit on one of those scratch offs, you know, because it's hope and it is the only way they can think of getting out of their dire economic situation because it's truly hopeless. You know, I mean, look around these jobs don't pay a living wage. If you can get a job, you know, you don't have an identification. You're not going to get a job. Uh, you are a felon. It's going to be very difficult to get a job. You're an African-American felon. I mean, just forget it. Just forget it. I mean, don't forget to try, definitely try, but can you understand how that there's all these downward pressure things? And then like, you know, righteous, self-righteous people are like, well, these are all life choices. They're all life choices. Okay. All right. Let's say they are. I don't believe that. I don't, I, I think that like, um, it's, uh, uh, oftentimes these conditions are based on, uh, socioeconomic conditions more than choices, but yeah. Okay. Let's just call it choices. Well, we're here now. Okay. We're here now. Now the person has felonies. They're addicted to drugs. They're homeless. They have severe mental health issues. What are we going to do now? Let's blame it all on them in this hypothetical situation. Do you just feel better now? You're like, well, yep, 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 there you go. I mean, they're losers. They're losers, just like I said. Okay, fine. Well, what now? What now? I mean, do you feel better now that, that you have determined that they're losers? Uh, and you've now what? You've solved homelessness? Because you have now uh, condemned them? You've classified them as losers? What do you do now? Okay. It costs nearly $40,000 to pay for a chronically homeless person. It's a stat out there. It's like $38,000 a year. Do you think it's free to have somebody, um, like, let's say you don't care. You don't care that a person is freezing on the street right now. A 13-year-old girl is freezing on the street right now. You don't care. You got your own problems, okay? Let's just play that game. It's her fault, okay, that she got kicked out of her house, that her father made her run drugs, and now she's addicted to drugs because her payment was drugs. Uh, it's her fault that her mom was a, a, a sex worker and got her into the sex worker business, and that's how she knows how to make a living. It's all her fault, okay? It's all the 13-year-old girl's fault. Great. 
Great. <laughs> Good job. Good job. Um, I always find it amusing how these uh, judgment people think that they're somehow better than the homeless person. Like, I mean, who's the worst person? The person judging homeless people or the homeless person? Um, I like to, th I, uh, look. It's the judger that is the worst person. The reason they're the worst person is because they're not solving the problem. And the problem doesn't have zero consequences, even if you don't care that they are being tortured on the richest, on the streets of the richest country humanity's ever seen. Like, even if that doesn't bother you, it is economically a drain on your community, okay? They are stealing. They are robbing homes around where they live. They could be spreading disease of all kinds, sexual diseases. Um, hepatitis is like everywhere in the homeless community. Um, they're going into hospitals with no uh, medical coverage. And so their hospital bills are not getting paid. Um, you know, it just goes on and on and on. And so I don't understand how you can, you can look at a homeless person and from any perspective and be like, well, they're losers. We're done here. I don't get that. Like, I don't understand it from even the most callous person, the most callous person that hates homeless people more than everybody else has a vested interest to end homelessness. So, I mean, oh, like the, the, the ones they love to really rub in my face is all the trash. Oh man, these homeless people are just, they're so disgusting. They live in trash dumps. Well, you know what? You could get them a trash can. No, no, that's what that's, 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 um, uh, <laughs> coddling them, you know, that's making it too easy for them to get them a trash can and some trash bags. So, yeah, I mean, of course there's trash all around them. And then what happens in my town is they throw the homeless person out of the camp. They leave the trash. The city doesn't come and pick up the trash. They just leave the trash. And then the cycle starts all over again. There's trash in some of these camps that's been around for decades because no one picks it up. They got rid of the actual trash they cared about, the homeless people. So, like, it's like they're 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 trying to do a magic trick. Well, if we sweep the camps and they disappear, they must be gone. No. No, just because you can't see the person does not mean that they are not a drain on your community. Okay. They're just hiding now. Okay. Do you get it? Can you get it? Um, everyone needs to have a vested interest in ending homelessness. And I believe that if you have people on the street and you aren't housing them all, because you don't have enough housing for them all, obviously. Nobody does. But that's what, you know, a lot of people are like, well, we need more housing. We need more. Okay, fine. Okay, great. You do that 
while I set up sanctioned tent villages, okay? Because what I'm here to tell you is, as a guy who ran a, 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 an organized, structured, rule-based tent village on his own property, an unsanctioned tent village is hell on earth. It is hell on earth. And so we have to do something, but we're stuck in a stalemate because the people in power are like, well, we need more housing. Well, okay, great. Well, what are we going to do today? Well, nothing because we need more housing. There's nothing we can do. These cheap people should get in line and get housing. <laughs> That's what should happen. No, 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 no. We have to end these unsanctioned camps because they increase drug use, they increase theft, they increase violence, and not just among homeless people, surrounding people. Do you remember here over in the Addiction Center at addictioncenter.com that homelessness increases addiction and mental health issues? Did you remember me saying that? Because I did. I said it. <laughs> it's because they live on in hell on earth. Unsanctioned camps are completely outlaw structures. They have no law. It becomes Lord of the Flies. You really, if you care about this uh, topic, you really should go read Lord of the Flies or at least watch the movie because it reminds me very much of unsanctioned, lawless, homeless camps. They just descend into chaos and anarchy. Because what happens is people just say, well, you know, you don't own this land, so you can't tell me what to do. And they're like, and the people that are trying to set up rules in the camp are like, yeah, well, pretty good point. Pretty good point. Uh, and so then people can do whatever they want. And typically, if the camp doesn't get swept by the city, then I've, I got to see for, the, I think, the first time a large camp just implode. Uh, because the city uh, Akron did not sweep the camp because of coronavirus and um, it just scattered because there was too much drama and crime and violence and violence. You know, there's a friend of mine who is in jail right now uh, because he um, did a violent act on another homeless person and it's, so sad because that's not his temperament. He's one of the most sweet, kind people I've ever met as a homeless person. And for him to explode in violence just means that he was at the end of his rope. He lived in our tent village and then didn't get housed and then moved into the uh, woods in an unsanctioned village with no rules. And now he's in jail. And there you go. A homeless person goes to jail because he did things that he would not have done had he not lived in an unsanctioned village. Do you understand? See, he went mad in an unsanctioned village mentally. He's a, he has serious mental health issues. Okay. Has an addiction uh, to drugs and was 
the the camp was getting really dramatic at that point in time. Um, and I'm quite sure it just pushed him over the edge and he attacked another person with a weapon. And the person lived. Uh, it doesn't make it right. I'm not condoning it. But uh, you got to understand that that's what happened. That he violently attacked that person as a direct result of living in an unsanctioned tent village. In our village, he never, ever, ever hurt anyone. Ever. You like wouldn't like if you lined up 10 homeless people and you're like, which which of these people are is going to create do a violent act? He would not have ever been on the list. Okay. But can you imagine that, you know, you are mentally ill and you're addicted to drugs trying to correct your mental illness, right? I mean, you're self-medicating. That's what all addicts are doing. You know, we're, we're self-medicating. Um, and so he just went, he went mad. And if he had lived in a sanctioned village where there was structure and rules and organizations, I guarantee he would not be in jail right now, which um, hurts him and hurts society because you have to pay for him. Okay, because now you're paying for him to live in jail where he's going to get no treatment for anything. And when he gets out of jail, which he will eventually someday get out of jail, it will the cycle will start all over because we have nothing for him. Okay. And I'm telling you, this guy is not going to get into housing. Okay. Do you know why he's not going to get into housing? Because he's severely mentally ill. Okay. Severely mentally ill. I I don't know if you've ever worked with somebody that is so mentally ill that they 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 pace furiously in circles yelling into the air that they yell at a brick wall and punch it until their hand breaks okay because those are people those are my friends <laughs> Those are my friends and they've never, ever hurt me. They hurt themselves. Okay. Until they crack, but they're never going to get into housing because they are severely mentally ill and they have no support in the woods. Okay. Nobody looking after them. Nobody encouraging them to go see a mental health professional. Nobody talking to them. Nobody watching them. Okay. So you can pink slip somebody, which means um, a, a trained police officer comes and asks questions of a, of a person. And if they fail the questions, then they are taken and put in uh, a place for 72 hours. Now, it's just 72 hours. And the, the trained police officer will tell you they know how to answer all the questions correctly. So it's incredibly difficult. You have to be so out of your mind that you can no longer answer the questions correctly. Okay. That is severely mentally dis, uh, just dis you are, you are dysfunctional. You are so out of your mind. And if that's rude to say, if that's in, I don't mean to say, obviously I'm not trying to say rude things about the, um, people with mental health issues, mental health, man. Uh, we are, that's another one where we're just beginning. 
to understand mental health, you know, and um, uh, clearly a disease and clearly an illness that needs way further treatment. If mental health issues interest you, we go, go into mental health, will you? We need good mental health people. There's, we're severely lacking. Anyways, um, so you get somebody that is so out of their mind, okay, that they fail the pink slip test, okay? They fail the pink slip test. They're put in a cop car and taken to a mental health place where at most they are held for 72 hours. And then they're right back on the street, right back on the street. Okay, that's what uh, severely mentally ill people do in America. I was uh, talking to a friend of mine who had just recently stayed at the local uh, shelter, homeless shelter. We have one men's shelter in Akron, Ohio. Um, And he said that it is just all mental illness. They're just all mentally ill. That's what it has become is 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 a. (laughs) <laughs> a place where the mentally ill go because they have nowhere else to go. Um, and that's, that's a product of America, uh, both parties that we have cut off mental health services, you know? And so now, uh, <laughs> all the shelters are sheltering mentally ill people with certainly no, uh, abilities or resources to help them, you know? So, uh, and I, like I said, I saw a lot of mental illness in our tent village because there's nowhere to go. Okay. It's not like I can be like, Hey man, you need to go to the, the hospital and live, you know, there's no hospital to go live. (laughs) But when he, when they were in the, when they were in our village, if they weren't too severe, we could work with them. And some people were too, too severe you know, and we just had to, um, kick them out because we didn't have a place for them. And so, uh, that needs to be addressed that, um, uh, people are so mentally ill that they become homeless because no one can handle them. Okay. Their family can't handle them. The homeless, the shelters can't handle them. And the sanctioned tent villages can't even handle them. At which point you need another sanctioned tent village. But the whole point of this is We, yes, we need more housing. We need more affordable housing. I believe we need $300 a month, all utilities included housing for anybody that wants it all across America. I'm talking hundreds and hundreds of thousands of $300 a month apartments. Um, And they cannot be government subsidized. They have to be um, handled. They, 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 they have to, they have to work in, in capitalism. And that can be done. It's done in tiny house villages. It can definitely be done. Um, But we aren't there. And the triage, the first aid that we need to do right now is sanctioned tent villages everywhere that needs them. Everywhere today, now it needs to be done. All right. That's all for today, everyone. Tune in next week when we talk about more exciting homeless issues. All right, everybody. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to Sage and the Houseless Movement, a weekly show dedicated to the news and views of the homeless locally and worldwide.